Welcome to the second episode of the AI Arena Skate to the Puck. Today, we have a very exciting episode. Our theme today is insuring against AI risk. And we are very lucky to have two senior executives at Lockton Companies. Now, Lockton Company is the world's largest privately held insurance brokerage firm with headquarters in Kansas City, Missouri. So the entire company, I believe, is happy this afternoon because the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs are going to play in a game in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're a pretty good football team. We are joined... Kansas City the, and Taylor. Kansas City and Taylor, Let, yes. Let's not forget how happy forget. Roger Goodell is that they actually won. <laughs> Get a lot more viewers. That is true. Um, we are lucky to be joined by Ashley Jones, a Senior Vice President, Unit Manager of Financial Services at Lockton, and Logan Payne, Senior Vice President, Director of Emerging Risk at Lockton. So Ashley and uh, Logan, uh, thank you very much and welcome to the AI Arena. Thank you. Thanks for having us and uh, thanks for giving a shout out to the Chiefs. Love it. Our pleasure. So Darren, you know, our first episode talked about legal risk and emerging issues related to AI. And, and this episode is about insuring against that risk and understanding what the insurance environment will be to insure against, you know, AI risks. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big issue. Well, that's a big issue. Everyone's trying to understand the technology. The insurance industry, they're not any different than anybody else. Other sectors of society right now. Whether you're talking about other industries, policymakers, individuals, everyone's trying to understand how this technology fits into their lives or into their specific sector. You know, what that means in terms of realizing benefits, increased efficiency, for example. And of course, any risk that they have to manage. The thing I like about starting with insurance, though, is that they're also like policymakers. So once the dust settles and the insurance industries have figured out what this technology is, what it means, and how they're going to use it, ultimately, they're going to also act like guides for our conduct, just like policymakers. That's exactly right. And so, you know, Ashley or Logan, if your clients in the space, what do you counsel them about insurance and what the insurance environment looks like? I'll jump in and take that. It's evolving. You know, we're in a situation where everyone is learning on the client side and on the carrier side. Um, and so I think this is the point in time when we um, educate ourselves and prepare for the evolution on the coverage that's to come. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think the Darren, to your point about just the uniqueness of the insurance industry uh, and, and maybe more specifically our role as, as brokers is, you know, we're, we're counseling and advising clients from multiple industries. And so we're seeing really, I think the broad spectrum of how AI is being used, you know, from, from some use cases, which is fairly straightforward, you know, things like customer service, um, you know, things like supply chain, maybe looking at how do we bring more efficiency and how do we use AI all the way through into maybe the cutting edge, most complex use cases of healthcare, uh, you know, putting AI into diagnostic uh, kind of scenarios and, and patient facing scenarios. So I, I think as we look at that, that spectrum of coverage, we're, we're having these discussions with, with our clients to say, you know, how are you using it today? What are you planning? You know, where are there pilots maybe that are uh, being tested? And then trying to respond accordingly and say, you know, either, yeah, no, no problem. You have coverage for that or, you know what, that takes you into an entirely new realm and, and we might need to adjust your insurance accordingly. Well, if you go into the this new realm, is there, I mean, should they look at the cyber you know, how cyber was treated in the insurance industry. 
obviously it's evolving, but are there takeaways from other protections or insurance, um, you know, policies in the technology sector like cyber? Can they look to that? Yeah. And I, I, you know, Ashley uh, will, will jump in as well and speak to the cyber and speak to some of the the lines of coverage. But I, I often like to start with this example of biometric privacy as an example of how we may see uh, insurance for AI evolve. And, and so we look at biometric privacy going back a few years, you know, we saw this uh, adoption, these novel use cases of people using different uh, forms of biometric uh, scanning tools. It, it was an exciting new technology. Uh, we, we then saw regulation start to evolve. And so we saw state by state uh, data privacy, biometric privacy type legislation uh, be adopted to protect uh, citizens, protect people. And then we started to see uh, litigation. We saw claims start to come out of of areas that I don't think we we anticipated or insurance companies fully anticipated. Um, And as we saw that litigation emerge, then we saw insurance companies uh, clarify their their coverage and say, we're going to cover this form. We don't want to cover this. We're going to charge premium for this specific risk. Uh, But it was only through that evolution of uh, adoption and then the, the, the regulation, then litigation, that we saw the coverage position change. And I, I think as we look ahead to AI, I, I think we may be on a similar trajectory of saying, we're seeing this, this these use cases, we're seeing companies adopt it. We're starting to see the formation of some, I think, regulation and, and some discussion around that. And, and the future probably gets dictated in a lot of ways by what we see develop around AI insurance claims and AI uh, allegations that would be maybe different in some cases from cybersecurity or ransomware or some of the existing things that we see. So last week, the FTC had a summit on AI. And the great takeaway was that there is no specific AI law or any magic AI law exceptions as far as the FTC is concerned right now. From their perspective, which is guiding competition or anti-competitive behavior and consumer protection, it's all about existing law. So what is your AI use right now? If you think about it that way, to the extent that there's FTC implications, it ultimately goes back to what they're already doing under existing law. It sounds like what you're saying, Logan, is that's a similar approach taken early on now by insurers. Coverage is as it is, and the AI specifics will roll out as the technology evolves and as actual cases come up and they react. Yeah, Ashley, do you want, do you want to jump in on, on some of the cyber implications or some of your experience you're having with clients? Yeah, I think that um, that ties in, Darren, with what I was saying about now is the time to educate ourselves and, and watch the evolution, as Logan was saying, too. The insurance carriers are taking um, a similar approach that it is not yet seen exactly which policy or set of policies will respond to the myriad uses of AI. So specific to cyber, if we're talking about a straight privacy security liability type of policy that has the first party um coverage, that would be like your breach response type of coverages, as well as your third-party liability coverages, um, we very well could see uh, AI utilization in a way that allegedly infringes upon privacy of a third party. Um, We also could see uh, situations where the AI platform is um, that is being utilized is embedded with something that opens up a security vulnerability for the user. So you could have a first party breach situation. Um, And we are also aware that the threat actors out there are utilizing AI themselves to target and exploit um, 
different entities and individuals. So there are several different ways I can think of that AI comes into play when we're talking about triggering a cyber policy. Again, that's a privacy liability policy. The reason I'm clarifying that is because, of course, we expand these policies out oftentimes to include technology um, errors and emissions, that professional liability exposure where you're creating a technology platform um, or utilizing that for your clients. And so um, that takes it even further when um, there are other uses and you're selling AI or creating a platform yourself. But the insurance carriers are um, just like the rest of us watching and learning how AI is being utilized. And as of right now, while they are not discreetly underwriting to this with a supplemental application per se. Maybe that's coming. We're definitely seeing more questions in the underwriting process and clients also who are aware of their own utilization, pushing information. And I think that's the right thing to do for all of us to go into this understanding that the policy right now will likely respond. There are not um, express AI exclusions on these policies. I think that's important to understand. Um, and where the coverage evolves from here, I think will be based upon, as Logan was saying, what types of risks we actually encounter and the potential liability that comes out of that. Are there things, though, you know, I could see some people saying, well, are there things that companies can do now to help them make sure uh, that whether they have a current policy or seeking a policy, that they're going to get that policy, basically? Are there things that comp- are you are you telling companies now these are the things you need to do so you can get the best possible product, even though it may not be uh, AI specific. When dealing with AI, you need to do these three things to put you in the best possible position to get insured. Yes, we are. I mean, we're counseling the clients through this process, um, which involves bringing in outside third parties, um, you know, such as law firm partners and others that understand that regulatory overlay that that may come into effect depending on um, their utilization of AI as a company. But going through that process of understanding, does the right hand know what the left hand is doing? Do you really know if your HR department is or is not utilizing AI or vendors that you contract with? Are they utilizing it? So really understanding um, those factors and how it may touch you from an exposure standpoint is something that we're pushing on the client side um, and, again, pulling in third parties to help them through that process as well. And I am a proponent of pushing this information um, where reasonable to the underwriters. I think that we have learned a lot from cyber and the evolution of that underwriting process. It was painful. Um, There was uh, a long period of time where you had 13 to 30 page applications that you had to fill out. So I think what we can learn from that um, is, is to get ahead of this and understand, um, you know, what might be useful to these underwriters and explain that to them. Uh, and I think then you evidence, evidence to them your own understanding. And um, that goes a long way by putting yourself in, in kind of result in putting yourself at the top of the stack when underwriters are looking at these exposures. Yeah. And I, I think just to add to that, it's, uh, you know, our, our counsel to clients is really to preempt uh, underwriter concerns, insurance company concerns. Um, you know, and some of those questions that that uh, I think we're seeing that we're helping clients get ready to to address is a lot of questions around. Uh, I think what the regulation is focused on, which is data privacy, uh, and you know who what what data is coming into these models, these tools that you're using, who holds and collects that, who owns that, uh, you know what are those use cases that you're uh, using these AI tools for, 
Um, and then, you know, who's going to be responsible? You know, what's the contractual underpinning that you have? What, what recourse do you have? I think carriers are are concerned about it just in the same way that they're they're asking those questions about you know, the vendors that you're using and uh, some of the data privacy concerns. So I, I think it tends to mirror at this point in terms of risk mitigation, it tends to mirror some of the, the activity that we're doing and Ashley's doing around cybersecurity, around uh, data privacy, uh, making sure that you're, you're able to answer that as you venture maybe into a new new area or new deployment of a, an AI tool. I also think that part of keeping this dialogue open with underwriters is important um, because they see a lot too, right? So you have a client who um, is digging into this and um, considering different vendor relationships. And Logan brings up a very good point about the contractual relationships and what risk you can um, you know, pass off uh, contractually to those third parties and mitigate against the exposure to begin with. Again, the underwriters they see a much broader scope of risks um, and in different business sectors. And I think there is a lot to be learned from their expertise as well. It almost sounds like you're predicting that companies buying these algorithms or licensing them from technology companies upstream will have to carefully negotiate and ask questions, almost auditing what's going on in these systems to have ensured themselves that they're managing against the risks that we are all foreseeing here whether it's privacy risks, discrimination, bias. Is that what I'm hearing? Almost management of your vendors. Yeah, it could, it could be management of vendors. Uh, I mean, we also know that there's, uh, we, we have clients that are developing their own in-house system. That, you know, they're concerned about, about data privacy, about you know, maybe it's copyright uh, infringement. They're concerned about IP risk. And so, so we, we see some examples of you've developed an, an in-house model. You've got all your own data. It's all in kind of a closed loop uh, environment. And you're, you're using that output for uh, operational efficiency. So whether you're doing that yourself, you, you, you start to look like a, a tech company in that, that scenario, or you're using a vendor. I, I think the some of the keys are around transparency, around visibility of what's your data uh, you know, how are you training this model? And if there is an allegation down the road of you know the kind of the common hallucination or bias or discrimination of this AI tool, your ability to respond to that and kind of open up and say, here are the assumptions made, here's the the, the training information, and here's how we got to this point where you know you see the output, you claim it's discriminatory or you claim it's biased. Well, no, here, here's our underlying data, here's the assumptions and the ways it was trained, and this is you know that that is the right output. That that, that ability to bring visibility, transparency, um, kind of open up the hood, if you will, and say, here's here's the tool we have and how it came to the conclusions it had. That, that I think, is some of the key things that you see both in insurance companies asking about as well as uh, you know, the regulation, some of the priorities that, that we see laid out as these are going to be the pillars of future regulation. That visibility, data privacy, those are some of the core elements. And Darren, I think that's right. I mean, just to, to audit all of these things, to use that terminology, depending on how the client is positioned with respect to AI. Um, and you know, from the perspective of risk, um, you know, you want to develop an awareness. And then after you have the awareness and you're informed, are we able to avoid this risk? Are we going to ignore this risk? Are we going to mitigate it? Or what can we transfer? Um, and it is not, you know, a binary decision uh, between all of those things. So I think getting to the point of comfort and understanding where you are in that awareness first piece and then determining what you can move forward with each of those other pillars. Are we going to be able to mitigate and or transfer um, in, in making those informed decisions? And it sounds like from what I'm hearing, Ashley, and also from Logan is everyone's got to move out of their silos, right? Um, and I don't know if this was so much in the cyber realm, but what we're hearing a lot from companies is, all right, 
HR person, legal, tech, CISO, you guys need to get out of your silos and talk about this so we're on the same page and we know what's under what's going on. Um, you know, I know for some lawyers, um, anything technical, they go, oh, we're just going to give it, ask the technical people. But it sounds like what you're saying is you can't do this with AI. You can't do this to mitigate the risk. You have to get out of your silo. Just like with cyber underwriting, where we were you know, five years ago, and um, again, the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. Uh, and you force people to the table, and there can absolutely be among the various stakeholders uh, some territorial uh, situations. People don't want to, to use Logan's phrase, um, let other people under the hood for various reasons. But we've broken down a lot of those walls already through the cyber underwriting process, just as an example. And I think that that I agree, Sean, will hold true when it comes to AI, uh, that I said previously, you know, what is HR doing? Well, they're a stakeholder here. They need to be at the table. Um, who's going to lead this process? Is it risk management? Is it the technology people? Is it, um, you know, the, the legal department? Um, I don't think the answer to that really matters so long as the company has a plan and is bringing those stakeholders to the table, um, all of whom have, you know, ultimately the same interest uh, in success in this area. And, um, you know, so it's uh, one where you may have to push a little bit, but I feel confident that uh, we're going to keep those conversations going with our clients and, um what we have seen is, as a first step is that those individuals are doing a good job of putting together policies and procedures. Um, that is another step we think is quite important at this stage. So almost the development of best practices. Correct. That's right. Um, so are our employees utilizing AI? Um, are we allowing them to do that? Are we going to um, flag or or put up warning signs where in, when there is a utilization of certain platforms, are we going to block other platforms? Uh, going through that analysis and um, again, educating internally uh, is an important step at this stage, I believe. And do you, do you think, so another aspect of this is that, you know, by some measures, startups in the AI space, if you look at some of the data, up to 50, over $50 billion was raised. I assume this year it's going to be much more is all that you're saying about what needs to be done, do you think that's going to be a barrier um, for startups and small businesses to get into that insurance um, policy? Um, you know, obviously large companies, mid-sized companies can do everything that we're talking about. But what about the small startups, um, the small tech companies that are trying to get in on the space? What would your advice be to them? I think, Logan, um, you want to talk about product offerings for those that are creating AI? I mean, there's there's a marketplace for that. Yeah, I I, I think that there's, I mean, we talked about existing insurance, uh, not excluding AI. So I, I think if you're a startup tech company, uh, you know, there's there's markets available to you. There's uh, insurance companies, um, certainly teams within Lockton that are working with tech companies, working with startups and, and helping walk through, here's your risks and here's how we cover them. I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily different uh, just because you're an AI startup or you're, you're focused on AI. Um, you know, I, I, I think looking at how a lot of these startup companies are rolling out, you know, open AI within the last month here, you know, they've opened up their, their version of kind of an app store, right? Like a de developer sandbox for companies to come in and use, um, you know, open AI technology in their uh, underlying uh, algorithms or under, uh, underlying kind of horsepower and I think as we see businesses built on top of that, 
uh, that that's where I think it starts to get interesting. Of you know, if you you're a developer, you're creating a new uh, novel use for um, you know open AI technology, and you turns out that you're infringing on copyright or you're infringing on um, somebody else's licensed information, and you get a lawsuit. I, I think that becomes a, a an example of something maybe that's new or that's a, a, a newer area where you say, well, how, how am I supposed to defend against that? I didn't develop this. I didn't train this this uh, uh, this algorithm, and that's where we've seen you know a lot of the the major uh, I'll just call them generative AI companies that they're now offering kind of a built-in, baked-in um, copyright infringement guarantee that if you use our kind of enterprise version, we will indemnify you for uh, allegations of copyright infringement. And that's right. I think we may see you've got some insurance response, you've got some kind of contractual indemnification from the generative AI providers, and together those are coming together um, to, to form what we might broadly refer to as risk transfer or insurance. But ultimately, that's, I think, going to depend on the underlying, how much of this did you build yourself as that tech startup, as opposed to maybe using somebody else's LLM? And some carriers are um, a little more out in front of the space. And I think we're going to see the opposite, probably. Well, some carriers will not see that type of risk within appetite just how they're going to look at their book of business and the direction they want to go. You'll um, undoubtedly have some that are kind of in the middle, be a little picky, choosy about what they want. And then you'll have some carriers that embrace this, lean into it, um, perhaps draft more affirmative coverage um, and you know, see their trade-off as the additional risk is going to come with an additional premium um, and some right-sized retentions. So I think this is an area that we're going to see develop quite a bit in the coverage uh, over the next couple of years. And uh, you know, it will become apparent I think pretty quickly within the next 12 months as to what carrier's appetite really is broader versus those that are stepping into the background. Yeah. And, you know, just, just on that point about affirmative cover, we, we, we're we working with a couple uh, large insurance companies. There, there's some um, you know, more bespoke customized insurance products out there that are really designed to address failure to perform of, of a, an AI model. So again, whether you're a, a tech company or a vendor selling AI tools or you're a big corporation that's maybe developed your own AI uh, tool, there, there's affirmative insurance coverage out there. Uh, if, if companies want to go that direction, that would say, effectively, what are you guaranteeing? What are you selling as it relates to AI? Maybe it's better performance, faster processing time, uh, more efficiency. Uh, the, the, the guarantees uh, that are built into these insurance products are really built around kind of that contractual uh, SLA that, that most software companies would have and say, we guarantee it's going to deliver this. If it doesn't, you've got an insurance product that can step in and, and backstop that. So that, that's where we see maybe the, I'll call it cutting edge of insurance. If you need affirmative cover, um, focusing on the, the performance of an AI tool. So it sounds like, and, you know, you know, Darren, I think we opened the, you know, our first episode, we talked about this and you talked about it briefly here. And it's been confirmed by what Ashley and Logan have said, is even though we don't have the federal laws on the books, you do have current laws. You do have what the industry, the insurance industry is doing, what companies can do, and sort of these practices that are, are emerging um, from prior, call them technological revolutions, you know, either contractual, uh, you know, contract out your risk, that are sort of shaping the ecosystem even without federal laws on the books. That's right. I think the FTC even addressed this by saying we're learning from lessons learned in the past and how we dealt with earlier parts of the digital revolution. It sounds like other industries are taking pages from that same playbook. Are you all 
as focused or, you know, obviously we've talked about the U.S. and the U.S., you know, regulations with AI. What about Europe and their emerging regulations? Does that factor into your conversations at all with your clients about, you know, what their coverage, uh, you know, how to ensure the best possible coverage? It does on my side. I mean, I have quite a few clients who, um, many in fact, that are global uh, as far as their footprint. And so when they are looking at their various exposures, they have to factor in Europe. Um, There will be information sharing uh, within and between uh, Europe and US. And and so the overlay is an important one to consider. We also have seen, just like in the cyber environment, um, that regulation there may kind of lead to a push here and provide a, a guidance or framework like we had with the GDPR. Uh, and so for that reason alone, if we're going to try to look around the corner uh, as to what might be coming, I think it is also a good guide, even if it is not you know, kind of guiding to our uh, client where they are right now. Well, this has been uh, fantastic. Thank you both. And, you know, I'll, you know, we ended our last podcast talking about how great the Chicago Bears were against the Green Bay Packers in terms of a team. But um, obviously, uh, Lockton is a um, is a, a Kansas City, uh, based in Kansas City. And obviously, our title of our podcast is Skates to the Puck. So there's a sports reference there. So Ashley, you know, who who is your who is your team? And 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 I guess we'll know who you're rooting for in the upcoming Super Bowl. I am a member of Chiefs Nation. Proud to be so. <laughs> Logan, how about how about you? If yeah, I, I uh, I'm not originally from Kansas City, but I, I have to say I've uh, I, I have three kids that are all diehard Chiefs fans. I, I think I have more Chiefs memorabilia and you know, apparel squarely in the Chiefs camp. Um, and I was just telling somebody this morning that I, I think every every kid that's of a certain age in Kansas City is fairly spoiled because they just have come to this. I think uh, expectation that every single year there's going to be a Super Bowl parade. Every single year they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, so yeah, definitely a golden era and exciting to be in Kansas city and, and a chiefs fan. And I think they'll, they'll take care of business against the 49ers. All right. Well, this, this podcast, you know, may or may not come out after the super bowl. Uh, so we'll see that <laughs> we may have to do a part due of this podcast to get your reaction to, to the super bowl and, and, and see, but it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you both Darren. I don't know if you have any, uh, parting words of wisdom. Thank you very much for coming on and we're going to root with you for the chiefs. Right on. <laughs> So everyone, thank you for listening into our second podcast episode. Stay tuned for future episodes, including episodes, which Darren, I think we're going to call Getting Back to Genesis. Yes. Which is understanding AI. We've talked about the risk. We've talked about the insurance industry, but we're going to talk about what does AI mean and what is it? What is all of this we're trying to keep up with? And where's that going? Thank you very much and hope everyone has a good day. Thanks for having us. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thank you.